I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Dock Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Kelly Evans to answer our medical questions. Dr. Evans' specialty is internal medicine. She works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Laura. Thank you for joining us by phone today. We appreciate you doing that so we can answer all these medical questions today. Yes, happy to be here. Excellent. Well, our Prairie Doc topic this week is the liver. So if anyone has questions about the liver or any medical questions, give us a call at 605-692-1430. We really do love getting questions from our listeners. So what's on your mind? Give us a call at 605-692-1430. In the Prairie Doc essay this week, which can be found in Monday's Brookings Register um, or on our Prairie Doc website, Dr. Ken Bartholomew talks about some of the common concerns with the liver. So I encourage people to check that out. And before we dive into the liver, I just wanted to mention um, a little bit about Dr. Bartholomew. He is on the Healing Words Foundation board, which is the nonprofit organization that Rick and Joni set up to uh, support the Prairie Doc programs. And Dr. Bartholomew is a family physician in Pierre and has a love for kayaking. So he initiated a kayak challenge to help raise awareness and funds for the Healing Words Foundation. And his goal is to kayak the 411 miles of the Missouri River in South Dakota. So he started at the North Dakota border, and he's doing this in increments, heading down to the Nebraska border, hopefully later this year. And I think so far, uh, from my understanding, he's kayaked at least 70 miles um, of that route. And he's looking forward to getting a lot of kayaking in this summer. So if you want to learn more about uh, Dr. Bartholomew's Kayak Challenge. You can see more about that on the Prairie Doc Facebook page or uh, look, just reach out to us on our webpage at prairiedoc.org and we can fill you in with more details on that as well. Dr. Evans, have you been following that Kayak Challenge at all? You see his Yes. I, you know what, Laura? I, I got the pleasure of meeting Dr. Ken Bartholomew when I was a resident. I spent a month um, with one of his partners in the Peer Clinic, and we shared an office. And Dr. Bartholomew is truly just one a classic family physician, man of all trades. Did you know, Laura, that he has published a couple of books, including a fiction novel that he published just a couple of years ago, which was excellent. You should look for it. You read it. Wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. I haven't read that yet. I should look for that. I'll make a note of that right now. It was very good. It was called Last Flight for Whiskey Mike, and it was was kind of a a thriller of a novel. So, um, but yeah, Dr. Bartholomew is a great supporter of our mission and the show, and we are always glad to... Um, watch the things that he's doing now in his retirement. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and he's had some of his own health challenges recently, and um, I know he kind of sees his kayak challenge as a way to keep him 
self-moving and motivated and as part of his rehabilitation. So I love how he's bringing all of that together through this kayak challenge. That's pretty great. Well, as we mentioned uh, earlier, we are going to be talking about the liver today. Um, But if you were always open to answering any medical questions that anyone has, we're going to go to our first break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. And give us a call at 605-692-1430 with your medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. A stroke occurs when a clot blocks the blood supply to part of the brain or when a blood vessel in or around the brain burst. In either case, parts of the brain become damaged or die. Stroke can cause weakness or numbness of an arm or leg on one side of the body or even one side of the face. It can also affect speech, language, vision, memory, emotions, and behavior. Talk with your provider about stroke prevention. Call the Vera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Dr. Evans, what does our liver do for us? Mm, the liver does so many important things for us, Laura, but it's, I, I feel like it's really a, an unsung hero as far as organs in the human body go. Yes. So I think everyone's familiar with sort of the liver as a detoxifier, um, if you will. Um, the, and, and that's true, certainly. The, the blood supply from our gut, the first place that our blood goes after it absorbs things that we are taking into our digestive system. First place it goes is the liver. So the liver um, starts um, changing or breaking down some of those um, products that uh, we're absorbing from our gut right away before it goes anywhere else in the body. And it is very important that way. And it does serve in some ways to um, help eliminate toxins. But it does a lot of other things too. The liver actually produces a lot of important proteins. So for example, the proteins that circulate in our bloodstream that are important to help our blood clot, um, all are made in the liver. And that's true of a lot of other proteins, et cetera. So when people have actual liver failure or um, cirrhosis of the liver, a lot, of, a lot of things that go wrong have to do with the fact that we are not making those products that our body needs anymore. So people can have uncontrolled bleeding events um, or um, lack a lot of protein in the bloodstream, which leads to swelling in the legs and the abdomen. Um, so the liver does a lot of very important things. It's pretty crucial to um, keeping us alive. We certainly can't live without um, a functioning liver or um you know, that's, that's a life limiting condition for people. So mm-hmm. important organ. Yeah. Like you said, the unsung hero or whatever, but, um, I just, I just don't ever think about my liver or what it does. So as I was preparing today too, I was like, I, I don't really know much about it. We think about, you know, our heart and our lungs and these things we feel and notice, uh, daily, but the, mm-hmm. these things like our liver that are always working for us, but we don't really consider maybe until something might go wrong. Um, right. what is liver disease, Dr. Evans? Yeah, so that's a, that's a broad term. A lot of things can cause liver disease, and ultimately um, all of these causes, so these numerous causes of liver disease that can range from things like 
um, alcohol-related liver disease to fatty liver disease, meaning just fatty deposition in the liver, to certain autoimmune illnesses can occur in the liver, um, certainly uh, overdoses of certain um, chemicals or things can cause liver disease, including overdose of acetaminophen or Tylenol. All of these things can um, cause problems in the liver. If they cause chronic problems, the end result is the same, which is essentially scarring of the liver and cirrhosis. Um, so there's sort of a pattern of if there's damage occurring to the liver over long periods of time, there's stages of what we call fibrosis, which is kind of a, a fancy word for scarring of the liver. And anytime that that process is occurring, we're losing our functioning normal cells of our liver. And the, the end result of that, if the liver becomes kind of fully scarred and you really don't have any functioning liver cells, is cirrhosis, which is a term a lot of people are familiar with. And like I said, cirrhosis can occur from many different causes. Cir cirrhosis is sort of the, the end stage um, or the last stage of liver disease, uh, but it can have causes from alcohol to, you know, viral hepatitis. Hepatitis C is a good example of a common cause of chronic liver disease to some of these more rare things like um, autoimmune illnesses or genetic syndrome. Um, but cirrhosis is the end result of all of those things, and it just means a, a scarred liver. Okay. Now, my understanding is the liver does have the ability to kind of regenerate. Is that true? When it's yeah, healthy? that can be true if you take away the insults. Um, the the liver can certainly regain normal function and regenerate some normal tissue where normal tissue didn't exist before. Mm. Um, so the, the 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 problem is in taking away what whatever the in, injury is and taking it away soon enough. So if if you get to cirrhosis, there's no regeneration because there aren't any healthy cells left. If that makes sense. Okay. But for example, if you have someone who has some um, alcohol-related liver disease that has not reached the stage of cirrhosis and that person quits drinking, um, they can regain um, closer to normal liver, liver function um, and not expect to advance to cirrhosis if you take that, that offending problem away. Oh. Another great example is um, one type of liver transplant. A lot of people who receive liver transplants receive them from deceased donors, but there are, um, there are also living donor transplant programs in which the, you know, the, the liver is just a single organ, but a donor can donate half of their liver. Hmm. And basically, uh, both the donor and the recipient, if, if all goes well for the recipient on that end, can continue to have normal liver function because that can grow into a, a larger organ um, after it's sort of cut in half and split. Wow. Fascinating. Let's talk a little bit more about liver transplants. So yeah. who is a candidate for liver transplants? Yeah, so liver transplants, um, you know, the, there are a lot of people who need liver transplants that do not receive liver transplants. So certainly it's, there's, there's much more demand of patients that could benefit from transplant than there is supply of, um, of, of organ donors. Um, the people that typically receive liver transplants are people that are, do either have cirrhosis or have um, very near cirrhosis. Uh, meaning that their lifespan is likely to be limited without a transplant. Um, and so it, it, like that, that can occur from any cause again. The other reason that people get liver transplants is if they have liver cancer, cancer that is limited to the liver that hasn't yet spread, those people are good candidates for liver transplants. 
So the most common reason in the U.S. that people do get liver transplants is actually hepatitis C, leading to fibrosis and cirrhosis. Mm. Um, but um, any cause can can um, set people up for needing a transplant. Now, a living donor, I'm always amazed when I hear these stories and see these stories about living donors. It's, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Who... Who would be a great living donor? How do you find a living donor? How do you match someone up? Yeah, it's an interesting, and I'm, I, I have to claim no level of expertise on this. In my experience, a lot of people who are living donors are family members of people who need livers. Um, you know, they might go through the testing needed to see if they would be a match, and then it's a pretty complex decision to be a living donor. I mean, it's not a, it's not a small to undergo a surgery and having part of an organ from yourself removed and assuming some risk. Mm-hmm. Though, you know, for healthy people, the risk is not particularly high for, um, you know, the other example of living donor programs or with kidney um, donations. But, um, the you know, it's, it's, it's not, the risk is at zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely takes a certain amount of um, altruism. A lot of times um, these people are family members. There are also some programs, and this is maybe more true with kidney donation, but in which, for example, you know, if my spouse needed um, a kidney and I was not a match for my spouse, but I wanted to um, participate in a way that would make him more likely to be able to receive a kidney. There are some of these sort of shared um, living donor programs in which you kind of get in this network and maybe you find this circle of, seven people who need kidneys and they all have a family member that want to donate but can't donate to their family member but there there is ma- there's sort of cross matching so i donate my kidney to somebody who lives in another state and someone who lives in another state but has a family member that also needs a kidney donates that that my spouse gets there's something something along those lines and, and those are neat stories i mean i'm sure a lot of people have read about those things um because they are kind of feel good stories when in most cases they turn out very well for everybody. Yeah, that is wonderful. Yeah, it's fascinating to learn more about that and um I don't do you do you have patients ever ask you about being a living do, living donor or is that come up very often or how do people yeah, get so information about I, that? I would say again, it's usually in relationship to um having a family member and maybe that family member is not someone who lives locally but maybe they live in another part of the country but you know it's a cousin or or an aunt or something that that might and they they wonder about candidacy and in those cases we refer them to our most local transplant program and and we do have transplant program here in um in south dakota and sioux falls um and um the, the a whole network exists among organ transplant programs such that they can sort of do the work up for donors, even if the, the person who would need to be the recipient lives far away in another state. Hmm. Um, so the, it, that would be something that we'd refer on to a transplant program to help them um, find out if they would be a good candidate based on their own health um, and then do necessary testing to see about compatibility and that kind of thing. Yeah, great. Well, it's time for us to go to our next break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address. 
Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. It is important as we age to add strength training to aerobic exercises. These activities will help you build strength, maintain bone density, and improve balance, coordination, and mobility, and reduce the risk of falling so that you can stay independent and perform activities of daily life. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings about strength training and get started today. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We've been talking about the liver this morning and uh, how it serves our body well, uh, doing some detoxifying and providing proteins for blood clots, etc. I'm learning so much, Dr. Evans. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how we keep our liver healthy. Um, I think the common one many of us know about is alcohol being not so great for our liver. Can you tell us a little more about that? And um, I don't know if there's kind of guidelines on what's a healthy amount and things like that. Basically, it's to not overdo it with alcohol. And certainly the most alcohol guidelines that one will see um, make recommendations about drinks per week um, and knowing that a drink consists of either a 12-ounce beer or a normal-sized glass of wine, I believe five ounces, or a single shot of hard alcohol. Um, but drinks per week um, to minimize risk of um, liver damage. It's different for men and women, partly just because of um, average size and average um, size of the liver. Um, so you'll see that those recommendations differ for men and women. Um, and, you know, sometimes people are surprised when they see those. Um, I think, you know, it just generally recommends against any more than two drinks in a sitting for women, an example. And, um, you know, a lot of people that I know that drink alcohol do drink more than that sometimes. So I think it's, it's a good reminder that every time that we, you know, binge drink or drink more than we should, um, we are possibly assuming some risk to our liver. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the perplexing thing for everybody is that um, it, it doesn't necessarily play fair, what I would say. You know, there are some people who, you know, drink heavily for a, a short number of years early in life and sustain a lot of liver damage. There are some people who drink heavily for their whole lives and never have significant liver, liver damage. So there is more that goes into it than just, you know, the environmental things that we do to our liver. There are certainly genetic factors that are outside our control. And like I said, like many things with our medicine and health, it doesn't play fair. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not true across the board that everybody who drinks a certain amount will sustain the same amount of liver damage. There's more that goes into it. But certainly the more you drink, the riskier um, you are, you're being to uh, your future liver health. Mm -hmm. What are some of the early signs and symptoms of liver damage? Yeah, so that's part of the issue with the liver is that there, are, there aren't great early signs and symptoms. Certainly when people have um, kind of either liver failure or later stages of cirrhosis, there are some classic signs. So people can get jaundice, meaning they 
their eyes or their skin might turn a kind of a yellow color because of a buildup of bilirubin in the bloodstream. Um, they can have swelling or fluid buildup either in their bellies called ascites or in, in their legs um, called edema. Um, people can have confusion, etc. Um, so people can be really sick when there's more severe damage. When people are having more mild or early stages of liver damage, they probably are not going to experience any symptoms. That will sometimes show up in a couple of ways, though, if they access medical care for other reasons, meaning um, in blood testing. Sometimes we will see elevations in um, liver function tests on blood testing. Or, um, you know, not uncommonly, we might see people get a CAT scan of their belly for some other reason. Maybe they were in the emergency room for abdominal pain. And um, they, we find that the liver is enlarged or has fatty infiltration or has evidence of scarring on the CAT scan. So sometimes if imaging is done for another reason, we might catch that incidentally. Um, and then that might clue us into just we need to think about risk factors, think about if further testing is warranted, and think about how we should be monitoring those people. Mm-hmm. You mentioned jaundice. Uh, for me, I'm most familiar with jaundice in babies. Um, I guess I hadn't really thought about it. So that's related to liver function for babies? Yeah, it, it's it's a little different in babies. The okay. reason for bil- bilirubin buildup is in babies is a little bit different and has to do with um, has to do with some developmental things. So, yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's different. There are rare, you know, you, Laura, you always put me on the spot about questions about kids that I don't <laughs> know the answer to because <laughs> I'm an adult doctor, to yes. be clear. But there are um, rarely that babies can have liver diseases. That is generally a, a genetic or autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't usually show up at birth. So that jaundice at birth is a separate process. I see. Gotcha. You also mentioned fatty liver, and I was reading in Dr. Bartholomew's essay, too, that that's kind of becoming more common. What mm-hmm. what, is a, what is a fatty liver? Yeah, so um, this goes by a few sort of fancy names. Um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, or NAFLD, um, being one of them. So um, fatty liver is basically just um, infiltration of fat into the organ of the liver. And when that happens, you lose some function of um, some of the normal liver cells because of the fat tissue is replacing it. And this just goes along with many other diseases that we see commonly, meaning um, with the disease of obesity, of diabetes, of hyperlipidemia or high cholesterol, um, the, this non-alcoholic fatty liver disease tends to um, happen concurrently with those things. So really what you can do to, number one, prevent, but certainly um, to minimize further damage or um, even reverse some of that process are the things that we talk about with those diseases too. Um, healthy diet, exercise, treating those other conditions, so being on appropriate medication for diabetes or cholesterol if it's warranted, can limit the damage that is done to, the, to one's liver. But sometimes um, that, that disease does get severe enough that it progresses to, to worse scarring and cirrhosis. And sometimes people do even get liver transplants because of um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease leading to um, a sort of a fatty hepatitis, as, as one might call it. Okay. Well, it's time for us to go to our final break. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. If you have a question you would like us to address, call us at 605-692-1430. Shingles, also called herpes zoster, is a painful rash disease. 
Shingles can lead to severe nerve pain called postherpetic neuralgia that can last for months or years after the rash goes away. Shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus, the same virus that causes chickenpox. If you've had chickenpox, you can get shingles. Almost one out of three people in the United States will develop shingles in their lifetime. You can get shingles at any age, but it's more common in older adults. Older adults also are more likely to have severe disease. The Center for Disease Control recommends that people age 50 and older get the shingles vaccine called Shingrex. Set an appointment to discuss shingles with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth and Prairie Doc physician Kelly Evans is here to answer our medical questions. Dr. Evans, we have a question. Are there some over-the-counter medicines that are especially harmful to the liver? Yeah, so the classic, Laura, is um, acetaminophen or Tylenol. So overdose of acetaminophen or Tylenol can lead to um, acute liver failure, which is it's, it's a, kind of a scary um, condition to have. It can have high mortality, and sometimes people do get liver transplants just from the acute liver failure that occurs to that. So what people should know about that, so certainly there are some incidences of intentional overdose of Tylenol in which someone might take a bottle of it and that can lead to it. More worrisome is that if people take too much Tylenol to try and treat pain, for example, over a period of weeks, that can also lead to that condition. So you'll see on any any products that you buy over the counter that um, contains acetaminophen, a general recommendation that people take no more than 3,000 milligrams per day. Um, and that the bottle's actually used to say no more than 4,000 milligrams per day. So we really do think 3,000 milligrams a day is very safe for pretty much everyone. Um, but if people end up taking, you know, double that 6,000 milligrams a day for periods um, that are long, it could result in um, acute um, liver failure um, that can be um, pretty severe. So. Mm-hmm. So if you find, yeah, so if you find yourself feeling like you need Tylenol ongoing, you probably need to address that issue in another way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, you know what, I recommend Tylenol a lot because other than the concern about um, overdose, it's very safe. If taking at at safe doses, Mm -hmm. it's actually, for my, a lot of my patients, it's safer than taking something like ibuprofen. So I do recommend it a lot, but you have to be mindful of the dosing. And also remember that some prescription pain medications like opioids can be combined with acetaminophen. So you have to take those into account if you're combining those with with some Tylenol that's over the counter. Mm-hmm. Count that up towards your maximum. Okay, very good. Well, Dr. Evans, this week um, on SDPB is a rebroadcast of the Hepatitis, Cirrhosis, and Health of Your Liver show that you hosted. Um, do you remember that? <laughs> Doing that? Yes, one? I do. Yes. It was so fun because I got to invite two people that I know well from other settings. So, um, Dr. Kazi, um, who is a hepatologist in Sioux Falls, I met her doing advocacy in Washington, D.C. with our ACP chapter. And Avash Kalra, who um, called in from Denver, Colorado, was one of my co-chief residents in mm-hmm. Denver. Um, I shared an office with him for six weeks. It was just really fun to be able to talk to those guys and hear about um, their expertise in their 
um, the area that they are most passionate about. So it was fun. It was a great show. I hope people that missed it the first time can gain something from it this week. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. It was a great show. So uh, be sure to tune in to South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television and the Prairie Doc Facebook page for On Call of the Prairie Doc most Thursdays starting at 7 p.m. Central. And tomorrow, June 24th, will be the encore episode of Dr. Evans with hepatitis, cirrhosis, and the health of your liver with guest Dr. Nazia Kazi from Avera Medical Group Liver Disease in Sioux Falls and Dr. Avash Kaira from Denver, Colorado. So watch the full episode this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central on South Dakota Public Broadcasting or on the Prairie Doc Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program today and will listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org and look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Kelly Evans for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.